Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, August 29th, 2017. Continue to pray for the people in Texas. What a mess. And by the way, by pray, I don't mean decree and declare and all that kind of nonsense. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare. Compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to open up God's Word to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, yes, they are self-appointed, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we need to be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, strange how that works, isn't it? And over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine being put out by these folks is far from biblical. It's not even close to what God's Word says. In fact, I would argue that it's kind of like reaching major distraction level. Um, It's like you have all these people out there proclaiming that they believe that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible, inspired word of God. Uh, But yeah, no, 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 we got to we got to do these other things. Yeah. And over and again, um, the uh, the things that are being put out there. Christians at no time in Christian history have believed it. Biblical times, church history, anything like that. It's just nonsense. All right. So, um, let's, <laughs> let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. We're going to begin with a prophetic holy orders network information exchange syndicate trifecta. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to begin today uh, by looking at a video that was just put out, you know, like at the end of the day yesterday, by Doug Addison. Uh, you know, and uh, him claiming that he's he has a direct revelation from God uh, about uh, you know uh, the strategy that the church needs to employ regarding uh, Hurricane Harvey, which if you've been watching the news, I mean, it ended up stalling and just sitting there dumping rain on the 
on Texas. And so Doug Addison has given us a direct revelation. He's released a new prophetic word, if you would, to explain to us what it is that we've got to do to get Harvey to move on. I think it's moving on now at this point. But um, And uh, so (laughs) it's like, uh, okay, so uh, yeah, and this... (sighs) This new category of charismatic weather people, I mean, um, you know, what are they? They're like weather warriors of some sort, right? Um, So, you know, these charismatic weather warriors are really giving a black eye to Christianity. They they really are. I'm kind of to the point where I am praying that we have a calm hurricane season for the rest of the year, lest Christianity suffer violence uh, at the hands of these nut jobs uh who are you know out there saying that uh, we've got to command the weather and we've got to do this and do that so uh we'll listen to doug addison's hurricane harvey prophetic strategy that he just received um then we're going to uh listen to jennifer leclerc who we uh visit from time to time um the uh the purveyor and releaser of the sneaky squid spirit doctrine which has been defended by michael brown and uh we're going to listen to a prophecy that in my notes here, I've uh, named it the Big Thumb, Big Toe Prophecy. Big Thumb, Big Toe Prophecy. Um, then, uh, you know, somewhere in there we'll, we'll probably take a break, but we might even before the break get started with Jennifer Ivaz and uh, listen to this important kind of NAR doctrine, uh, how to deliver a land from territorial spirits. Uh, this territorial spirit thing and, and warring against territorial demons is a big part of the NAR doctrine. And uh, and so Jennifer Ivaz will uh, begin to kind of crack that open for us. And then end of hour number one, um, again, we are less than a month away from September 23rd, and the Internet is buzzing. I mean, no sooner is the eclipse over uh, that the Internet now is buzzing with... Um, with the September 23rd stuff. And so we're going to be listening to YouTube prophet type uh, Scott Clark as he explains, uh, you know, his thinking and his uh, fascination with it and what it means, the uh, the September 23rd great sign of uh, Revelation chapter 12. And I'm just sitting there going, how on earth can this be a sign when no one's going to actually see it? You know... <laughs> It takes place in the middle of the day. Anyway, so uh, that that will be um, hour number one. Hour number two, uh, we're going to head over to Church of the Highlands. And man, am I tempted to review several sermons from this sermon series. Uh, we're going to be listening to the sermon titled The Whispers of God from their Frequency uh, sermon series. And, uh, you know, a, just a classic twisting of God's word to get you out of the Bible. And no joke, I mean, in the sermon, Chris Hodges, uh, you know, overtly poo poos the idea that God's written word is sufficient. Yeah, it's very fascinating. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable since we've got a lot of ground we need to cover. Let's do this. Get up right now.
listen to this. That's uh, Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. So um, here we are in the midst of a major disaster. And I, I mean this. I mean, you look at the news. Watch what's going on in uh, in, in Houston and in that uh, the, the, the Gulf Coast portion of Texas as a result of Hurricane Harvey. And uh, now we've got a new level of um, charismatic warrior appearing on the scene. It's the weather warrior types. And uh, Doug Addison, you know, at, at late yesterday published this on his YouTube channel, claiming that he's received a prophetic strategy from God uh, regarding how to deal with the stalled-out hurricane uh, Harvey. Uh, let's listen in. Hey, everybody. Doug Addison here. It's August 27th, and I have this urgent prayer request or, you know, prayer strategy that we need to do right now for... Uh, Hurricane Harvey and the victims. Now, a little bit of a note here. Uh, he says it's August 27th. He published this yesterday. Uh, of what's going on there in Texas. And we have friends there. We have family and, and members uh, of Inlight Connection partners and, and some of our staff and team members and people everywhere. God really, really uh, spoke to me strongly. I needed to get on. I've been praying all day, but he said these words, that we need to pray up a storm to move the storm. And, and he, We need to pray up a storm to move the storm. So if I'm hearing this correctly, um, God either needs us to help him move that storm along, or he intended all along to just kind of send that thing barreling towards Houston and let it stall out uh, there and just dump rain after rain with 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 the intention that, hey, he's not going to move this thing until we pray up a storm. The theological implications of what Doug Addison is saying are mind-boggling. I mean, seriously. Give me a, a prayer strategy uh, for for this because this storm has stalled over Texas. It's, it is not it, this is not like a prophetic sign, uh, you know, that, that the floods are, I mean, it is in a sense. Where the enemy attacks, listen, when they, where the enemy attacks, we know God, it wants to do something. So in one sense, it's a prophetic sign that, yeah, God wants to do something. But in the other, though, listen. God wants to do something? <sighs> I mean, does God want to do something and is incapable of making the thing he wants to do happen? What is this? This is showing that the enemy has something that he's trying to hold back right now. And so the Lord gave me this, this strategy. He said we needed three focus, uh, three groups focusing on three separate areas. Now you can pray and ask the Lord which one, or you, you know, if you want to pray all three, but we need focused prayer right now. One is a group focusing on protection. Prayers for the victims, for the storm, the flooding. You know, just use, find Bible verses 
Psalm 91. Uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Or I just opened up to Psalm 3 and, and just start praying these verses. But get up. We need a group of people to start praying for that specific. So we're divvying up responsibilities with this prophetic strategy. Pick quick. Pick one. Which one will you help in order to help move the storm? You got to pray up a storm to move the storm. The second is a group focusing on directing the resources, both physically and spiritually. This is dispatching angels, releasing resources from heaven and on earth to help bring in the boats, bring in FEMA, bring in strategies, bring in angels. Yeah, so FEMA can't can't move until you pray. Right. Bring the things on earth as it is in heaven. Deuteronomy 28 is a verse the Lord gave me, that he would open up the heavens, the storehouse. Didn't God give all of us Deuteronomy 28? Just saying, you know. ...of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless the work of your hands. But listen, this is too much rain in season. So this is not like a one of those types of things. So we need to now command these things to come into place. Yeah, we got to command them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the reason why Harvey is stuck is because nobody commanded it to keep moving. I would open now the storehouses of his bounty for the revi- uh, for the relief, for the recovery, for the protection of the people. Find some verses and pray that. And the third, we need to focus on, a, uh, have a group of people focusing specifically on moving the storm out of Texas. Yeah, it's up to you, folks. You got to move the storm out of Texas. Get on it. Although I think at this time, it's actually starting to move on. It's stalled. This is the enemy trying to stop. Now, can I just ask the obvious, ridiculous question here? He films this on the 27th. And it's this prophetic now word thingy, right? We, and, but he doesn't. He films it on this 27th, posts it a day later on the 28th. I mean, if he re- really truly received this word from God that it's up to us to move the storm, why did he wait one whole day to post this video? I mean, this is this is prophetic malpractice on the part of Doug Addison. He records on the 27th, but doesn't post the strategy on the Internet until the 28th. That means, you know, the storm can't move until Group 3 gets busy moving the storm along. And he's sat on this prophetic word for 24 hours. Yeah, um, yeah this, is, this is just prophetic malpractice, yeah. Thing new coming. Mark 439, Jesus spoke to the storm. He said, be quiet, peace, be still. Yeah, Jesus is God in human flesh. And the point of him being able to speak to a storm and it obeying him actually demonstrated who he was. Uh huh. God. And nowhere in scripture are we told as Christians that because Jesus spoke to the storm, we can speak to the storm. Yeah. I mean, it'd be kind of like. <laughs> Have you ever um, have you ever tried to give commands to a dog that isn't yours? Sit, 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 Rover. Yeah, roll over, play dead. Uh, you know, and it, it's not listening to you. Yeah, because you know, uh, you're not its master. 
<clears throat> you know, just saying, you know. You know, he did not speak to Satan. He spoke to the storm and it listened. I felt like that's a strategy. We need a group of people. To- you felt like that's a strategy. No, it's not. We are to get on our knees and pray to the one who can actually speak to the storm. And that's God, not us. Speak to the storm and to begin to to command the weather systems to line up. Uh, however the Lord might lead you. Uh, you know, the, the name, it's Hurricane Harvey. It means battle worthy. Texas is... <laughs> so the, the, the name Harvey means battle. We're looking at the meaning of the name Harvey. And, oh, it has prophetic significance. It means battle worthy. Good night. This is terrible. Being attacked right now because it is indeed a prophetic sign that the floods of the Holy Spirit are coming, but the enemy is trying to distract and drain the resources ahead of time. There is something big coming to Texas, but the Lord is going to move in the south. He's going to bring the move of his Holy Spirit. September, October, we're going to see this gain more momentum and fire of the Lord in 2018 coming upon Texas. We're going to see more fire coming on Texas. Well, Don't worry, nothing's going to catch fire for some time in Texas. Clearly, uh, it's going to be a while before they dry out. But right now, there is an attack on people, and there's an attack on that land, and we need to command those three things. We need to pray protection over the people, uh, and we need to pray. uh, The second would be opening the resources uh, that would come, and the third would be move the storm. And I speak right now as a prophet. No, you don't. You're not a prophet. God didn't tell you any of this. I speak over all three of these areas. Oh, you get to it, man. You just you you do your prophetic thingy. Lord, release those strategies that we need from earth. Release strategies, God. And on heaven. Don't you think that like FEMA has already worked all the strategies out at this point? Release the strategies of angels that would help. Release the financial strategies, the rescuers. Release, Lord, over uh, the, the storm that's over that area. In the name of Jesus, you will move. I speak to the storm. Be quiet. Peace. You don't have authority to speak to the storm. Be still. And I command right now to be moved out and all the weather systems to come into line with the Lord. You will listen to the word of the Lord. And I also. Yeah, um, you're not speaking the word of the Lord and you do not have authority to speak to storms. Speak for the rescues that need to happen right now for the victims of the storm. Okay, so now the rescuers who are out there in their boats, they literally floating their boats down what used to be streets and helping flood victims at this point. If it wasn't for Doug Addison releasing strategies and releasing these rescuers, I, th- this guy needs like the Nobel Peace Prize for his prophetic work in, uh, in helping to release strategies to help those affected by the battle-worthy Harvey. Oh, man, this is just nuts. Talking about nuts, yeah, we'll, we'll segue at this point. Uh, time to check in with um, Jennifer LeClaire. And uh, the name of these, this prophetic video is Jesus Paid the Price for Your Inner Healing and Deliverance. <sighs> Just utter nonsense. But I have renamed it the, uh, the Big Toe, Big Thumb Prophecy. Here we go. 
Hey everybody, Jennifer LeClaire here coming to you live from the Awakening House of Prayer. We're continuing this month in our series, uh, Delivered, hashtag Delivered. God wants to set you free. You know, a few months ago I was on my live. Well, if he wants to set me free, why doesn't he just get on with it? I mean, set free from what, by the way? I, You know, because scripture actually talks about how we are born dead and enslaved to sin, death, the devil, under the dominion of darkness. Uh, a picture of the slavery that we find ourselves in under the dominion of darkness is found in Scripture in the story of the children of Israel who were enslaved in Egypt, and God delivered them from slavery. So it's true that God wants to deliver us. God wants to set us free. God wants to release us. But my question immediately is, is what is she talking about? What's the referent as far as the thing that God wants to release us from? My prayer broadcast at 6 a.m. on Periscope and Facebook Live, and I tapped into a prophetic vein. I began to preach, pray, and prophesy on the Periscope about deliverance. God. She tapped into a prophetic vein. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, it sounds like she's a gold miner or something, you know? To deliver people on that day uh, from the spirit of fear. But then I began to study in the word of God uh, just recently. And I saw back in the Old Testament. Listen, God wants to deliver you. Back in the Old Testament. <laughs> God wants to deliver you. Know, this weird. It's like she's having two conversations at the same time while speaking from one mouth. It's weird. Uh, what the what they did to to subdue uh, the enemy was they cut off their thumbs and they cut off their big toe and so they couldn't walk real well they couldn't they couldn't hold their sword they couldn't fight why because it's really hard to hold on to anything when you don't have an opposing thumb it's really hard to take a step forward to run uh, to move when you don't have a big toe and the Lord showed me that that is the strategy of the enemy uh, that it, it's in this hour that the, the enemy is cutting off our spiritual toe toes and our spiritual thumbs you sure that was god showing you that has hindered many people by effectively and spiritually cutting off their big their thumb and their big toe why because it 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 causes you not to be able to fight it causes you not to be able to run with the are you a thumbless are you a spiritually thumbless christian Mm -hmm. you can't pick up your word of god now and use it so you you don't have yeah are you a spiritual toeless, spiritual big toeless Christian? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the devil's strategy, man. Oh, man. I, you better pray to God and ask for uh, creative miracles to regrow your uh, your missing spiritual thumbs and big toes. So he's inflicted wounds on you, in other words. Many of you have sustained wounds from a friend. Many of you have been betrayed. Many of you have been beleaguered. Many of you have been abandoned. Many of you have been pressed down, shaken down. You've been wounded. You've been uh, hit with friendly fire. You've been hit with enemy fire. Many of you have retreated from the battle because every time it seems like you go out onto the battlefield, you just get clobbered. So you can't fight for what belongs to you. You can't contend for what belongs to you because you're scared to engage in the in the battle. You know, Fear is a bondage of the enemy. Rejection is a bondage of the enemy. Those old soul wounds that... Every time I listen to her, I I feel like I'm literally getting hit in the gut uh, by a spiritual machine gun. She just rattles off these nonsensical phrases, changes subjects, and just goes on and on and on and on and on without even pausing to breathe. 
Haunting you every time you try to do something new, whispering to you that you're going to fail, whispering to you that you're not good enough, whispering to you that you're just not worthy. Those are all records that are playing in your head. Uh, broken records, broken records, broken records, repeating the same old things, repeating the same old lines. And we keep falling for it, hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because there's something in us that the enemy has tapped into. You know, Jesus said that the enemy has no place in me. Unfortunately, so there's something in me that the enemy has tapped into what are you talking about what does this have to do with big toes and thumbs the enemy has a place in many of us because of things that were said when we were just a baby because of things that happened to our mothers when we were just in the womb because of th- oh, yeah so the enemies yeah he's got all this power over you for something that was said while you were in your mother's womb <sighs> what was that thing i don't know and your mom probably doesn't even remember it yeah that uh, that we endured, that we uh, trauma, that we we endured uh, some time in our life. There are so many. Tra- yeah, that's vague, don't you think? Some trauma that you may have endured some time in your life. Um, live on planet Earth for any amount of time, and you, as a human being, born into a world, you know, literally dominated by sin, and we being sinners by nature, you're going to experience some kind of trauma. Mm-hmm. that the enemy uses to terrorize us, to traumatize us, to terrify us. I'm telling you, it, it's just a, a widespread. Here's the thing. The enemy has no new tricks. And the Bible says that Jesus. Yeah, so that's the thing, man. The, the enemy's got no new tricks. So you, you just got to realize that's the thing, man. Of Nazareth walked the earth doing good and, and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That was one of his main missions. He was to seek and save that which was lost. But he doesn't just save us just to leave us safe. He doesn't just save us to leave us wounded, in other words. He doesn't save us to leave us tormented. He doesn't save us uh, just to, to bring us into the kingdom. He wants you to live a life of victory. The Bible says... Oh, yes. He got, see, he wants you to live a life of victory. So are you being victorious or are you suffering from um, big toeless, thumbless spiritual trauma thingies? John 10 and 10, that the thief comes but to kill, but to steal, but to destroy. But Right, and the weird thing about John 10, 10, the thief there referred to, is not the devil. Nope. Look at that in context and start at chapter 9, verse 1, and just keep reading. You'll see that the, uh, the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy is the false teacher, kind of like Jennifer LeClaire. All right, we are up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Pyre Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with Jennifer Ivaz and the prophetic type Scott Clark to prepare us for what's coming on September 23rd. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Living a life of purpose can't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> it's 
Monty Python's Flying Circus Church. of Monty Python's Flying Circus Church would like to apologize to all of our listeners. Normally, we do parody here at Monty Python's Flying Circus Church. Unfortunately, due to unforeseen circumstances in the current miserable state of the church, uh, we can no longer parody the church because the church just parodies itself. For proof of this particular concept, uh, we now present to you um, the uh, Holy Ghost Hokey Pokey. I'll tell you, three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit and we saw 12 people heal the word of knowledge and 40 healed during the Holy Ghost hokey pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a little Holy Ghost hokey pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost hokey pokey. You can... Put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in. Dig your right hand now. You put it in and you shake it and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in. You take your left hand out. You put your left hand in. You take your left hand out. You put your left hand in. You take your left hand out. You put it in and you shake it and you shake it all about. You put your right foot in. You take your right foot out. You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out. You put your right foot in, you take your right foot out. Put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about. Oh, you put your left foot in, put your left foot out. You put your left foot in, you put your left foot with the arms, uh, nothing, nothing real effect, but then as soon as I just start, we start doing the whole, we'll put your left foot in, your right foot in, both of my knees, you know, one at a time, I could just feel, all of a sudden, it's like there was no pain, I said, and you said, start checking yourself, I just squat down. That's awesome, thank you, Lord, for new knees, in Jesus' name, come on, come on. Um, I've had back problems most of my life, and a couple, about a week ago, my back had gone out, and it was somewhat better, but it was still sore. Uh, up until today, and when we did that hokey pokey, and she came up and testified, all the pain. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Shake it, shake it, shake it all about. You put your whole head in, you take your whole head out. You put your whole head in, take your whole head out. You put your whole head in, take your whole head. Now, I put it in, and you shake it, and you shake it all about, and 
Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down. Click on the ad banner and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that hurricane weather warriors are complete crackpots who give a black eye to Christians with this nonsensical nonsense. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to into the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute, well, an amount that you pick. You get That's right, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's made at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month, and then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us, by the way. And of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, we're going to reset here. And although we're still technically under the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, This actually bleeds into a major doctrine within the NAR, the so-called New Apostolic Reformation. So let's set up this next segment with this. Chief, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice. They're pinky, they're pinky, and the brain, 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 brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled. By the dawning of the sun, we'll take over the world. They're pinky and the brain, yes, pinky and the brain. Their twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overthrow the earth. They're pinky, they're pinky, and the brain, 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 brain. All right.
right. Uh, so we're heading over to uh, Jennifer Avaz's YouTube channel. She's another one of these self-proclaimed prophet types, apostolic prophet types. And she's going to be discussing a major doctrine within the NAR. And that is is that apparently there are territorial spirits. Yeah, and uh, in, it, now Scripture is actually clear that there are principalities and powers and things of that nature. And when you read the book of Daniel, it's clear that, uh, you know, is it Michael the archangel had to battle with the uh, prince of Persia before he could deliver a message from God. So it's not that Scripture doesn't talk about the demonic or even talk about the demonic in um, territorial terms, if you would. The issue is, is that they believe it is their job to tear down these demonic strongholds in particular regions. And so one of the major components of the NAR is this, is this real huge focus on the tearing down of territorial demonic strongholds that uh, are keeping lands from being healed and stuff like that. So we're going to let uh, Jennifer Avaz kind of spin this theology out. Here we go. What I want to really talk about tonight, let's look at Second Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people, let's read it together. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I love this verse, okay? It's just, it just says how the goodness of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, you know, that, that uh, uh, his people, he, he gives it to his people, okay, that they can actually humble. We can actually humble ourselves. We can pray. We can seek the face of God. We make the decision to turn from our wicked ways. And God does a, a, a work of healing. He forgives. He heals. Um, he hears. Amen. And so it's, it's just, you know, I love this statement. And then I, I love, especially the end part, healing the land. What do you mean the land needs to be healed? Does land needs to be healed? It actually needs to be healed. Land actually needs to be healed. I don't know if you ever saw the story. I forget. Uh, it was the story about what happened in Almalonga. I forget the country, but I think that's the city. All right. So notice she's taken a verse out of context, ex- ignored its context, and now is uh, basically finding anecdotal stories from around the world. Uh, Almalonga, whatever, I don't know where this is. And see, this will prove the point that she's trying to make. Okay. Name of this Spanish country, Almalonga. And what happened is the whole city was drunk and, and, you know, not serving the Lord. Actually, they served a deity. Um, it was a, be a, a substitute for the God of Mammon, which would be a demon of money. Okay. And they would actually cut covenant with the deity and, you know, for, for money. And so, um, if if I have my, if I have my demons, right, I think that's right. If you have your demons, right. (laughs) Have you got all your demons sorted out? Um, wow. All I can say is, wow. I mean, we barely have any info, intel on the demonic at all from scripture. I mean, we know they're there. Um, uh, you know, but, uh, apparently she's got all kinds of intel, you know, she's, there's some kind of demonic spy network out there, you know, feeding her intelligence so that she can, she can kind of sort out all of her demons. Okay. 
Wrong. I could be mixing up in the story. I've been, you know, it's, it's been a wild couple of weeks. So anyway, so um, it might not have been a mammon deity, but they were cutting cutting covenant with it. Let's put it that way, okay? But I, I, I think it was. And so um, uh, what happened is, um, uh, you know, there was a Christ, there was some Christians there, but they were really being spiritually oppressed, and the whole environment was being oppressed. And so what happened is the church began to pray. The church began to stand for revival. The church began to humble themselves, pray, seek God's face, turn from their wicked ways. And you know what happened? God heard. God heard. He forgave the sin and began to heal their land. And so by the time it was all over, well, number one, um, uh, they, you know, the, a lot of the bars shut down because, you know, the people uh, stopped drinking like they were. And then the other thing that showed up in their agriculture was they had supersized crops. Mm. Yeah, so uh, how big are your crops? Mm-hmm. They're not supersized. Well, then God hasn't healed your land. And, uh, you know, are there still bars in your in your city? I mean, now, I, I just got to think about this. I mean, here in Grand Forks, North Dakota, um, you know, we have several, um, like, restaurants that also have bars. Yeah, I think of, like, you know, Applebee's or... Um, yeah, does the Olive Garden have a bar? I think they do. Um, the Texas Roadhouse, which, you know, was a great place to eat. Love the Texas Roadhouse. Um, they've got a full bar in there. And so um, so is the is it – should I interpret that because, like, major family restaurants have bars inside of them as well? Does that mean that um, the land here in North Dakota and Minnesota is uh, is not healed? You know, I just I just wonder, you know, and then, you know, I don't think we grow carrots here. Um, uh, Sugar beets, that's kind of the major crop out here. So if the sugar beets aren't like ginormous, you know, like the size of like supersized pumpkins or something like that, does that mean that God hasn't healed our land here? I'm not talking like you have a big carrot. I'm talking carrots the size of your arm. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, and it's 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 recorded. Okay, that that all of this happened to their vegetables. Their vegetables like super size. You know, like let's say hypothetically, you had a tomato, it'd be the size of your head. I'm not a. Does do they continue to grow these potatoes that are the size of your head? Is, is this still happening in this territory in this region? What year was this exactly? It was like huge. How many years were these supersized crops growing? And they kept spinning, turning the crops over, turning the crops over. Um, and so they got very wealthy because of the Lord. Because when the Lord heals the land, the church begins to prosper. Uh huh. Some of us wonder, what's the problem? The problem is the land's not healed. Uh, see, that's why Hurricane Harvey came barreling at Texas. Because uh, the land of Texas isn't healed. The land's not healed. Okay? And then what we have to recognize is sometimes healing the land is a process. And this is where, American Church, if I could talk to you about the spirit of the matter. Okay, please, get on with it. We have been so programmed to think logically and rationally that we do not understand spiritual things. And we dismiss them. We think it's crazy. We think you're out to lunch, you charismatic, you Pentecostal weirdo. I'm here to tell you the spiritual realm is calling the shots on your life, whether you like it or not. The spiritual realm is calling the shots in my life. It's kind of vague, though, the the spiritual realm. Okay. And if you don't understand it, you're going to get kicked by it. 
Okay, because Satan is a thief, and if he knows that you're ignorant, he's going to take advantage of it. And so we have to begin to learn, hear the stories, not reject it, check it out with the Bible, look for the fruit of it. I'm not saying to follow everything that everybody says. I'm not saying to be, you know, um, blinded by that. But I am saying that God, who is spirit, who gave to us his Holy Spirit, is telling us we need to understand the spirit of the matter. Okay. So healing the land is very spiritual. It is first spiritual before it is natural. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> All that from that verse out of context. Interesting. Okay. Every time. I get the feeling we're going to need to keep listening to this. I I think I'm going to end up taking Scott Clark and playing him on Thursday. Every time. Uh, Years ago when I was here, I've shared this story before, but years ago um, we started praying here one hour a week, okay, and, and, um, you know, praying together as a church. And it's amazing what happens if you just come together and start praying just a little bit, whether it's in your household or as a church, um, what God begins to do. Um, And so what happened is we began to pray, and I began to notice the, the feeling of like a grip on my head when we would pray together as a church. It's kind of a... So when you were praying, something gripped your head. You know, like a vice grip on my head. And I noticed it was, you know, it wasn't going away. It was getting stronger and stronger and worse and worse. So by the gift of discerning of spirits, everybody say gift of discerning of spirits. That's in 1 Corinthians 12. That's where the Holy Spirit allows you to know what spirit you are dealing with and even why. Okay. So you were dealing with a spirit that was causing your head to feel like it was in a vice grip. And the gift of discernment of spirits, you were then able to figure out what spirit you were dealing with. Uh Uh-huh. So I realized that I was dealing with a demonic spirit. I was in like a contention with it. I didn't start it, but, you know, Holy Spirit began to pick a fight. And when he does that, it's it's for the purpose of victory. And that will happen to intercessors. And so it was an occultic spirit that actually was sitting, seated on the north side of our city. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, the vice grip spirit was in the north part of our city. Wow. What are we going to do? That sounds terrible. I mean, will Rodan or Godzilla be able to help out? So you're going to notice here, she's not exegeting any text. Where does this theology come from? Answer, her experiences, her feelings, her interpretations of her experiences and her feelings. Okay. And um, at, that, at the particular time, the north side of our city was just fields. There's nothing there. It was all barren. There's, you know, just, just fields. And so I felt this contention for several weeks, several weeks. It was really deep contention. And that's what we would call spiritual warfare. They say spiritual warfare. Okay, that's Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Powers, principalities, you know, and on and on. Okay, that that's our first battle, and yet we are taught the armor of God so that we can stand. And guess what? Jesus fully plans to have victory through you. Okay? And so, um, you know, and these are things we learn as we move forward in our Christian walk. We begin to learn how to take authority over demonic things, recognize them, take authority over them, and actually live in the victory of Christ. Not only for our lives, but even past that. Mm. So how exactly did you eject 
the uh, the territorial spirit in the north side of your town, in the in the place where it was undeveloped. So in this situation, I, I was definitely in this contention, definitely in something the Holy Spirit initiated. Basically what he was doing, he was getting ready to heal some land. Okay, so he found an intercessor, and we went through the strange process. And so, um, uh, but it, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to do these things. This was very new to me. Um, looking back, I would have got some prayer help, but I didn't even know to ask. All I knew is in this, this spiritual battle, and I knew why, and I knew where, and I knew what. And so I began to, to pray as best I knew how. And then um, I remember uh, in the middle of the night, I, it, it, that contention got so bad, it felt like I was going to, I mean, lose the battle, like I was going to die in the middle of the night. Now I was thinking, this is what happens to people. They die in the middle of the night. It's a devil, you know? <laughs> and so, um, and that's what I was thinking. And so in that moment, I felt myself leave my body, go to five households in the church and try to wake people up in that, in that strange spiritual experience. So you had an out-of-body astral projection of your soul going going to people's houses, trying to wake them up while you were battling this vice grip spirit that was living in the north part of your town. I tried to wake them up to pray for me, uh, five households, and then I came back to myself in my own home. And then uh, about an hour later, I felt the peace of God. It was, the battle wasn't over, but I felt the peace of God. And I was so sure that that strange thing happened. I checked I checked in with people. I, the next Sunday, I said, um, uh, you know, the other night, did you wake up to pray for me? That's all I said. I said, did you wake up to pray for me? Did you wake up? And I checked five households. The first household, they said no. Second said no. Third said no. Fourth said no. Fifth said Yes. She said, yes. She said, your spirit showed up in my house, and I knew I needed <laughs> your, your spirit showed up in my house. N- now, note here, this is not Christianity. I don't know what religion this is. This sounds more like the New Age. Pray for you. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Okay. So that's what went down with that. Okay. So fast forward, we're fasting and praying now as a church. We're not just praying as a church. We're fasting and praying because this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. We're recognizing, you know, we need to put some. Yeah. We got to fast this spirit in the north part of our undeveloped city portion of town. We got to, we got to fast it out. Yeah. Cause it, 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 it came against her, you know some, you know, power on this kind of stuff. Um, and so I remember the night that it broke and I remember praying right in this sanctuary and I felt it break. I felt it break. I actually kicked off my shoes. I don't know why you, you felt it break. Okay. Dumb. I don't know. You know, it really was just, I just felt the break. I felt it. It was over. And you say, well, how do you know that really happened? Well, you could. Yeah. It's like, it's like that little tiny lady in poltergeist. This house is clean or clear or something like that. Yeah. Always point to something in the natural first the spirit, then the natural. You can always point to something evidence that it really did take place. And I remember that next year, that whole area began to uh, buildings were built. Schools were built. Shopping centers were built. All this stuff began to be built. Now the land. Right. Yeah. So when it was undeveloped and being used as farmland, it was being controlled by a demon and she felt the break thingy. And the proof in the pudding that the break thingy happened was that that land got sold and got turned into suburban sprawl. (sighs) Was useful and not barren. The land was healed. We have a house there. We have a house there on that side of the city. You know, to the victor goes the spoils, right? Praise the Lord. 
And I've learned every time I've been in some situation like that, I've been in many types of prayer excursions like that, many, too many to count. I, you know, and they're always different. There's always a reward. Did you know that? There's always a reward. It's kind of like when the Lord told the Israelites, he says, he says, this is your land. Now go and fight. What was their reward? They got property. They got Right. And so she has property that she owns now in that Northern Territory thingy. So that proves it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll be blunt. I mean, when my wife and I bought property here in Grand Forks, North Dakota, I mean, I didn't actually battle any demons uh, in order to purchase this house. So, I mean, maybe the devil's going to come take it away. I, I don't know, you know. Land, okay? Um, and so you have to understand that, that one... I mean, I didn't even part the Red River. I mean, he, the the border between North Dakota and Minnesota, I mean, literally the border is like, you know, several hundred yards away from my house. And it's the Red River. And... um I didn't even part the Red River when I came into my promised land here in Grand Forks. Yeah. What was I thinking? Was that Jesus gave us, as the church to do, okay, one of the things was to actually, um, uh, was to actually advance his kingdom in the earth. Yeah. And it starts in the spiritual realm, uh-huh. and, it, and it involves preaching the gospel. And what we're finding that the God of this age has blinded people from the truth of the gospel. So what- right, which is one of the reasons why we never really hear the gospel from people like you, Jennifer. What happens an intercessor actually has to pray and deal with the powers of principalities that have blinded people from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's one aspect of it, so that you can actually preach the gospel and people actually listen to you. Right? They'll actually listen to you, actually hear it because the God of this age is no is bound from blinding them because we took care of that in 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 the court of prayer. Okay? With a plan to evangelize. Okay. We 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 prayed over the school system. We prayed over the education system. We still do. But I remember we, we just kept praying and praying and praying for our school system. Well, guess what? The one who prays gets authority and gets the windows open and gets the doors open. And now we have kids clubs in, you know, several elementary schools. So have you prayed to get authority over your school system yet? Schools to preach the gospel and teach the kids, you know, the Bible. But where did that start? It started. Yeah, I wouldn't want anybody from your church uh, teaching my kids the Bible. It started in the arena of prayer. It started with innocence, saying we're going to pray for education. We're not going to give it away to what you know um, the 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 crazy freaky liberals are trying to do. Not that I, I'm not against liberals. I'm against the, the, the perverse legislation that comes out of some of these camps. Okay. So I want to clarify that because I'm really not against liberals. I'm against the perverse legislation uh, that just happens to be coming from that, that, that area. Um, it, that's what I'm against. And you see that thing begin to trickle into your community and you know, you're going to lose the next generation unless we, the church, the church is the only one who knows how to pray for for the kingdom of God to come, the kingdom of God to advance, and actually step in and get in there. All right? And so so you have to understand. You're not making any sense, lady. And that we You'll have- notice she isn't teaching anything from an actual biblical text. Nope. I mean, this is just spinning out utter mythology. Deal with it in the spiritual realm 
first. Right before we went into our first school, I remember we were having this back and forth action with um, whoever would be the deciding factors, you know, in, in the school system to allow us to actually go on campus in such an unusual, different way. And I remember I was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. First, one day it's yes, the next day it's no, you know. We had our night watch prayer. And I remember we made it a point that we we're going to go to the schools, to the educational areas, and we were going to pray. We're going to stake our claim, and this is it. We're taking ground. It was the next week the door opened. See, I'm telling you, you got to understand the spirit of the matter. Right, yeah, because she was, you know, fighting the territorial spirit thingies, yeah. you got to understand, this is what we're praying into. And um, if you don't have my book, get the Intercessor's Handbook. That'll tell you some of the journey. Ah, uh, <laughs> see, there you go. The whole time she's been teaching the doctrines she invented and put into her book. And you got to buy her book if you want to understand these doctrines because you can't just find them in the Bible. I'll give you a grid for some of the things that I'm talking about um, because I, the things that I'm telling you, we don't just do these things flippantly. We don't do them carelessly. We do them with very clear biblical principles, um, uh, actually you know, living a life that, that God can use to actually pray into those dimensions on those levels, okay? Right. Are you living a life that God can use to pray into those dimensions? dimensions on that level i mean if not yeah well what are you thinking yeah i, I think you get the idea that uh, this is just some wackerdoodle stuff here and th- this idea of taking down territorial spirits it's a big 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 doctrine major feature of the um, new apostolic reformation all right we're up on our second break if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pyre Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pyre Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're going to check in with Chris Hodges and his frequency uh, sermon series on Whispers of God. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Hi, Rich Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches.
Oi, Captain, we got ourselves a heretic. <laughs> and exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. <laughs> and what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, uh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Sermon review time. Is God's word sufficient? Or do you need to be tuning into frequencies to be hearing the voice of God? Chris Hodges doesn't think it's sufficient. We'll explain in a minute. The good, the bad, the ugly, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Church of the Highlands down there in Alabama. And uh, Chris Hodges, the vision casting leader presiding. The name of the message is The Whispers of God. And as we listen to this, we're going to note that Chris Hodges is preaching a doctrine without a biblical text. It is not based upon a clear passage of Scripture. It's based on a twisting of God's Word. And then from there, based on you know this idea of what seems logical, based upon you know core doctrines of evangelicalism. But again, he just doesn't go to a clear text and say, well, God's Word says this, that, or the other thing. It's kind of fascinating when you ultimately listen to it. So... Let me go ahead and back off on the music, and without any further ado, here is Chris Hodges and the Whispers of God. Here we go. I've got some very special things I want to share with you on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock at your location. All right, here we go. Uh, Our theme verse for this series about hearing the voice of God is a passage of Scripture that Jesus gave. And he speaks, uh, he he gives us this in in a metaphor or in a picture. And he basically says God's like a a shepherd and, and we are like his sheep. And he says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him 
and the sheep, they listen for his voice. We have a speaking God. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Now, the text in question is found in John chapter 10, where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Now, over and again, people like Chris Hodges and people in the purpose-driven and dream destiny movements, <laughs> the best way I can put it, they twist this text and they say, well, you see, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. That means that I'm going to get direct revelation from God. No, because in other texts, Jesus says to the disciples, the one who hears you, hears me. The one who hears me, hears the one who sent me. So this, the church understands that God has spoken through Moses, through the Old Testament prophets, and God has spoken through the apostles. And all scripture is theonoustos. It is God-breathed. But they rip this text out of context and force into it this idea that uh, it demands that we receive direct revelation because, after all, my sheep hear my voice. Yeah, no, you're twisting these texts. Yeah, we do. He calls his own sheep, not even generally. He's not even just putting out words for the whole body of Christ. No, no, no. He talks to every one of us individually, each sheep by name, and leads them individually out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But at the same time, there are other voices going on. And Jesus said they actually don't listen to the other voices. They reject the voice of the strangers, how Jesus said it. In fact, they run away from those voices because they do, do not recognize the stranger's voice. And God's really calling us to a dynamic where we can put out the wrong voices and hear the voice of God. And I want you to hear something right off the bat. In fact, what I want to give you today is really the most personal side of this message series. Next week, I've got some just some real details I want to get into so you can really distinguish good voices from bad voices. And even if it's God or not, like if you're not even sure, next week I'm going to give you the, the filter or the litmus test of how to test everything that you think is from God. Because I've heard people say things, you know, God told me, and, and then they tell me what God told them. And, I, and I'm telling you, God didn't tell them that because it's against the scripture, right? And so, um, like God told me to leave my wife and have an affair, like with that one God. And so, you know, so we're going to help you next week with the filter, right? Uh, but, but today I want to make sure you understand that God is speaking to you personally. And I want to give you both the why and the how. Like, why does, God, why does God want to have this individual conversation with you? And then what does it look like? And I want to say that because there's, there's, there is some teaching in, in the body of Christ that says God has stopped speaking. Like, his, his final words were in the Bible. And basically, if you want to hear from God, you, you, can, you go there and only there. Now, the Bible is a great way to hear from God. But no, we, ha we still have a speaking God. In fact, Dallas Willard said, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest... Yeah, weird. Uh, he went to Dallas Willard, not a biblical text. So God's a speaking God, and Dallas Willard said, yeah, um, Dallas Willard is not the measure and standard of what Christian doctrine is or what biblical teaching is. Uh, we, we got a problem here, and uh, it's a big one. Yeah, ginormous problem at this point. This disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them they could have a personal relationship with God. And one of my joys is to make sure you understand that God isn't always the God that's represented even by religion or church. That God is not distant. He, he's not mad. He's not critical. He's God is not mad. He's not critical. Huh. 
That's weird because Scripture says the one who believes has is saved, and the one who doesn't believe remains under the wrath of God. Huh. He's not far away. No, he's up close and personal. He wants to have a relationship with you. Can I hear a good amen, everybody, right? So note that the uh, relationship doctrine, he's not actually preaching any biblical text here. He's just kind of winging it with his own ideas. And this is not where we get biblical teaching from. Why isn't he opening up the biblical text and going to those passages as I say that God's going to continue to speak directly to his sheep? Um, he can't. So he went to Dallas Willard, and now that you know, it, if if God uh, wants a personal relationship with us, which again is kind of a weird way to talk, then that means he's got to talk to us directly. It just logically follows. Yeah, that's not how you do biblical doctrine. Show me the text in context that teach that God's still speaking to each of us individually. I mean, he really does. And honestly, that's my, that's my joy is to make sure you understand that, that God is trying to have this kind of relationship with you and to lead you to, to, to that version of Christianity. Now, I always say Christianity has like a branding problem. There's this, there's this part of Christianity that shows this very religious side of things. That's not how the Bible describes God, but you need to know that God loves you very, very much. And he wants to have this kind of relationship with you. And I thought of this verse in speaking about the birth of Jesus. The Bible says that the virgin, this is an angel speaking, said the virgin will conceive and he's going to give birth to a son. And watch this. And he's going to have a name, Jesus. So that's his name, but they're not going to call him that name. They're going to actually nickname him. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to call him Emmanuel because he's going to have this distinct, unique characteristic that's different from all the other gods and religions up to this point, and that he, that he is God with us. He's a personal God. Now listen to me. Today, I've hoped that you'd learn something, but I actually have prayed today that God would speak to every one of us individually. In fact, what I'd hope would happen is that this speaking God, we don't just learn about it, that it actually happens. So I'm telling you that because I want you to just really, I want you to kind of learn, take notes and let it go here. But there's some things that God wants to say straight to your heart. And if you'll let him in the next few minutes, God is going to say some things to you right there where you're seated. If you let him, God's going to say some things. Wow. And notice how he twisted uh, Jesus's name, Emmanuel. You're seated. I'll tell you why. There's, there's, actually, there's actually three reasons why. And then I'm going to give you the how. The first reason is, is that God speaks because he's trying to facilitate friendship. Yeah, again, which biblical text says that the reason why God speaks is because he's trying to facilitate friendship? Which text says that in context? I don't know of any text that says that. Hmm. Friendship. A lot of people don't see God that way, that he would be a be a friend, but we know it's true. In Exodus 33, it says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Yeah. And how many of the children of Israel did God do that with? Hmm. And I say that to you because we're in this prayer season right now and you can see some people struggling with prayer. 
So like they're, cause they're, they're, they're thinking because of the examples they've seen before that they've got to wax eloquent, right? And they've got to, it's got to kind of be a little bit of this King James version of a prayer, you know, like God was from England. God, yo, God's not from England. All right, everybody, you don't have to have a the or an art or a wizard thoughtest thou goest in your prayers. You know, it doesn't have to kind of go that way and you don't have to be fancy with it. God's looking for a conversation. He's just looking and you understand that with a friend, but t- sometimes when we get to prayer, we change that. I'm actually, in my prayer time, I'm, I'm a very, as you can imagine, a very organized, you can tell by the fact that you get a handout that I like lists, right? I, like, I write down everything. I have like six pages of things that I pray for every day, these people and these places, these leaders. I mean, I mean, I like lists. If I had a list of everything I like, lists would be at the top of my list. I mean, I just enjoy it very much. And, I, and sometimes my prayer time can get very, almost overly structured, and so I'm there with all my resources and tools. And honestly, I, I enjoy that. But I really felt like the other day that I needed to kind of get out of my normal place. And I haven't done this in a long time, but I actually went and took a walk. And I decided as I just kind of walked through the neighborhood, it was real early in the morning. No one was up and nothing stirring. And I just walked around. And honestly, I talked to the Lord just about not many it seemed like not that many important things, just kind of, Lord, thank you for that tree. That's a good looking tree. You made that tree. That's a good looking tree. You know, like kind of that conversation. And I came home with this enriched relationship with God. I'm just trying to tell you, God wants to have this personal relationship with you. And and, and in in order for us to hear from God, we got to make sure the right kind of relationship is in our mind. Here's the second one. And that is that God speaks to give guidance, guidance. So notice that. It's up to you. You've got to do the right things in order for God to speak to you. That's law. So the Lord sees dangers. He sees roads that we shouldn't take. And he's trying to guide us. Now listen to me. Here's the, here's the tension with guidance. And that is, if God guides you away from something you're doing, you're probably not going to agree with it. Because you wouldn't be heading in that direction if you didn't think that was the right direction. But you need to know that your God sees the end from the beginning. One of the things that's the most toughest, it's the toughest thing probably that I deal with as a pastor is walking through the the season of time sometimes when parents, um, their children pass away. And then every time the question is always, it's the same question asked, Lord, why? Isn't this way too young? And one of the great verses that I love to share with, with, with people is found in Isaiah 57. It literally says that good people often pass away before their time or what seems like before their time to us and that God was keeping them from the evil that was to come. That God has a perspective of things and he guides sometimes. He He leads us and he just... Yeah, but that text doesn't say anything about him telling you ahead of time he's going to kill you. He just says, look, I know what's over there and you don't want to go there. And when you get in this posture of, God, I'm even okay with... Man, I really feel like I love this guy, but you're saying, you know, I feel in my spirit, I'm not supposed to marry him or continue that relationship, but it's hard. We have to learn how to trust God in those situations. The Bible says, listen, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. I'm just trying to give you which text says what biblical text were you reading right there? I'm not familiar with that passage. I'm going to give you the reasons why he's talking because that dynamic is going on, and he's a good father who wants to help you through the things that you simply cannot see. Here's the third one. This one's a fun one. And that is that God speaks to provide a perspective, again, that he has that you don't currently have. 
Now listen to again me. which text says this. You you have this list, but this list isn't based on any biblical texts in context that are actually saying the points that you're making. Listen to me, everybody. I want to teach you something. Not everything that you're seeing is what's going on. Can I say that again? Let it sink in, everybody. Not everything that you see in the natural is actually what's going on. There's, there's another dynamic going on, not to mention the fact there's an eternal dynamic going on. And God has both perspectives at the same time. Now, look at my eyes and hear this. God's wanting to unveil some things to you in this other realm, the realm that God lives in, the the supernatural realm that's outside of this realm. He does not need you seeing things just as they are on the surface. God, God would love to open your mind. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of a man what God has prepared for you, but God will reveal it to you by his spirit. So God would love to show you some things, a, a dynamic and that's why the Bible says that we walk not we, we walk by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So God wants you to walk by things you're not seeing on the surface. We walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, let me say it this way. You want to put listening ahead of looking. In other words, yeah, walking by faith, not by sight, does not mean that we have to hear directly from God via direct revelation. No text says that, and you're twisting God's word to make it look like it's trying to teach that, and it doesn't. In other words, you want to go through life and don't just trust what you see. Trust what the Spirit of God is is saying to you. I heard the funniest story. I was listening to this message by another pastor, and he told this story how the Wisconsin Badgers football team was playing a a football game and losing horribly. But the fans in the stand were cheering like they were winning. So every time they had a bad play, the fans were going, ah, they were cheering, and it kind of confused the players. Well, as the story goes, the Milwaukee Brewers baseball team was playing at the same time, and a bunch of them had earbuds in listening to the game. And every time they'd score a run, they just cheer. And, and, and so they were looking at defeat, but they were listening to victory. Are y'all listening to me, everybody? Come on, I ain't a preacher, but that'll preach right there, right? They were looking at one thing in one realm, but they were listening to something in another realm, and they were responding to what they were hearing. Not So just because those people were doing that during a a game doesn't mean that the point you're making is actually biblical or true. Again, notice he hasn't opened up to biblical texts that actually say the points that he's making right now. Not what they're seeing. Man, I'm going to tell you, God would love for you to respond to what you're hearing, not what you're seeing. God knows we have some things in our world right now that we're all seeing right now. We've seen it in the last couple of weeks with this, with the violence and the racism and the bigotry. We're seeing some horrible things. And by the way, in case we have not made it clear, I just want to go ahead and make it clear to everybody that racism, violence, bigotry, the KKK, white supremacy, any supremacy other than the supremacy of Christ is of the devil. Are we clear, everybody? Are we clear? Yeah, that's true. Just making sure we all know that. And we as the body of Christ, we rise up in the middle of that and we're not afraid to speak out. Can I get a good amen, everybody? We're not, not, we're not afraid of that. But at the same time, I will not be pulled into the ugliness of it all. What's so interesting yesterday, I've really been disturbed in my spirit by this. 
And I really felt yesterday I was in prayer, just that, you know, kind of getting ready for Sunday. And honestly, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need, you know, you need to stop listening to social media and other people's opinions about things. I've actually unplugged from a lot of that. I mean, I have people that help me post things just to keep you guys informed. But, but honestly, I don't, I don't get pulled into a lot of that because there's a bunch of junk on all of that. And what was so interesting is I read in the one-year Bible, and if you don't have a Bible reading plan, you ought to read the one-year Bible with us. But in the one-year Bible, it was, it was about, we're reading an Esther in the Old Testament. And of course, they were, they, in those days, they were actually trying to ex- cause an extinction of the Jewish race. I mean, it was a racial, it's a, it's a book about racism. And, and Esther rises up and she says, I know what I'm seeing, that there's this, ex- this threat of extinction going on. She says, but I know that I have been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. And I heard the Spirit of God say to me, you know, in the middle of all this junk that's going on in the world, you need to realize that I have put you, Chris Hodges, in Church of the Highlands into this generation to be light, salt, a voice. We have been called to stand up in the middle of all of that. And I refuse to be pulled into the ugliness of it all. Come on, somebody. See, God. Yeah, I don't need you receiving a direct revelation from God to tell us that racism and hatred is a sin. God's word already teaches that. God will let you see something else. And you know what I see? I don't see, I don't see all of the things that the news is portraying to you. I, I, I see in my spirit God's going to use the church to see a lot of people come to Christ. I believe it's time for the church. So he's claiming to be a prophet. The church to come together. I'm grateful at Church of the Highlands. We're a church that are an arm in arm of every race, every nation, every tribe. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's time. It's time. It's time. Let me move on. Yeah, but the written word of God already teaches this concept. Let me move on. So we know why God speaks, because he's trying to show us some things. But listen, what does it look like when he actually does it? So let me tell you where I started with this message. I was at this point, the the next page was going to be the list of all the different ways that God speaks. And it's a great study and I finished it and you're not going to get it. All right, everybody. I mean, I found at least 12 different ways God can speak to us. He can speak to us loudly with peals of thunder and rushing mighty waters. And you see him speaking through his word, of course. And you see him speaking through prophets and pastors and leaders and you see him speaking through pain and circumstances. I mean, God will speak to us a lot of different ways. But I'm telling you, as I was studying, one of those was, I, I just said, you know what? I'm gonna, just going to talk about this one. Because I know this one is one that God uses the most. And it's the one that I believe he's doing to us. And we're not ready. God uses the most. So the, the word of God is not the way God speaks to us the most. Not recognizing it. And that's just the whispers of God. Uh, where in scripture does it say the way God speaks to us the most is through the whispers of God? Just this, this, this gentle nudging, this prompting, this, this in my spirit, I hear God saying something and I'm trying to understand it. And again, next week, I'm going to give you the filter so you can make sure it's God and not the pizza you ate last night. Come on, somebody. All right. We'll help you with that next week. But I want you to understand what the whispers look like. There's a great story. I wish I had time to study it all. But in 1 Kings 18, Elijah fights the, the prophets of Baal. And it's a, it's a great dynamic story. You probably heard a sermon on it at some point in your life. But in chapter 19, after that great victory, he gets depressed. And he thinks everybody's against him. And he's actually 
running for his life and he hides in the cave and God has to come and speak to him. And the Bible says in chapter 19 that the Lord said, hey, I've got to show you that I'm with you. I'm a personal God who's speaking to you. Go out and stand on the... That doesn't sound at all like the text. You've just mangled it. Isn't it interesting? He's not reading the story. Wonder why. Is he too busy? And on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I want to show you what he's going to look like. And, and then a great and powerful wind came through and tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in that wind. He didn't speak that way. Watch this. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but, but God didn't speak in the earthquake. You, you probably think he would, but that wasn't him. And then after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire either. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Some translations say a still, small voice. And I want you to learn how to recognize the whispers of God. Because I believe he's doing it more than you realize. Now, notice what he did there. This is a historical narrative. Where in the text does it say, because God spoke to Elijah in this way, therefore God's going to speak to you in a whisper, and you need to learn how to recognize the whisper. It doesn't say that. And he added data to the text that isn't in the text. It's called eisegesis. It's a form of scripture twisting. So let's take a look at 1 Kings 19. Uh, so this is right after the defeat of the prophets of Baal on uh, Mount Carmel. They are all dead now. And here's what it says. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So then he was afraid and he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It's enough. Now, O Yahweh, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down, and he slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came in a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he rose and ate and drank. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days, 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. So he's gone back to Mount Sinai. Horeb and Sinai are synonymous. So there he came to a cave and he lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for Yahweh, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, am only left. They seek my life to take it away. Now, remember, Elijah is a what? It's a prophet. Mm -hmm. So he said, go out and stand on the mount before Yahweh. And Behold, Yahweh passed by. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But Yahweh was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. And after, and, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Or, in Hebrew, you can say a thin silence. 
And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So notice, okay, you you, you pay attention to the details of the text, all right? Um, The Hebrew says, a thin silence. So there's an earthquake, there's wind, and all this kind of stuff, and then a thin silence. And when Elijah heard that, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went and stood at the entrance of the cave. Okay. Now notice, the thin silence isn't doing the speaking. That's the thing he heard that, that he recognized, okay, the Lord is now present. So, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Notice the thin silence, the low whisper isn't doing the talking. Now the voice is coming to him quite clearly. What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for Yahweh, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, am only left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint to be the prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all knees that have not bowed to Baal, on every mouth that has not kissed him. So there you go. Read the text, and it's not even the low whisper that's making the noise. I mean, that's actually doing the speaking. And this text does not say, so therefore, you, like Elijah, need to learn how to hear the still, small voice and the whisper of God. The person who says that has twisted this text, and they are making it so that you will not listen to the voice of God in Scripture. Notice, I mean, Chris Hodge, he doesn't even think that the most common way God speaks is in the written word. He thinks the most common way God speaks is a whisper, and the way he arrived at that was by twisting 1 Kings chapter 19. That should tell you, this is a false doctrine straight up. And this is the kind of doctrine that the devil would want you to believe so that you will not hear God speaking in his word. And you will despise it and mix with it other voices that are not the voice of God. So let me show you four areas so you can begin to recognize it and see it. The first is, is he, he whispers encouragement. I think he's doing it all day long. Yeah, which text says that he's whispering encouragement? I don't know that passage. Day long. I think all day long when you get discouraged and someone kind of gets your goat, he gets get you stirred up, or you wake up and the enemy starts lying to you, I think the Spirit of God is right there trying to say some things to you. And by the way, your, your God is not correcting and fussing and yelling and what's wrong with you and get to church and why don't you read your Bible more? No, the Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts. What does he say? You are my child. You're, 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 you're one of my kids. You got to understand what the Spirit of God would say to you is that, is that he sees you as part of his family. Yeah, um, which biblical text says that God's going to whisper that into your heart? I, again, don't know these passages. I love Isaiah 55 in the message. It says, pay attention 
Come close now. Those are key words there. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. By the way, I will make a promise to you that every Sunday that you come in here, there's nobody going to be fussing at you because you're going to be fussing at anybody. I should fuss at myself, right? I mean, I, we're not going to put you down and tell you, you know what? Y'all are a bunch of sinners and y'all just need to, you need to serve more and give more and pray more and read more and you're just not doing enough. And you, Come down to the altar right now. Come, no, no. Don't. So you're not going to tell the people there that they've transgressed God's law, that they're sinners, Yet Jesus tells us in Luke 24 that repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, except for the nation of Alabama, right? Yeah, so he's not going to tell the people there that they're sinners because God's supposed to whisper sweet nothings in their ears about being members of his family, which no biblical text says. No, don't even come down. I want you on your knees. I want you to kneel down all the way over here. You're not going to hear that. I mean, I believe in there's a time for place for us to personally respond to God at the altar. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, you come here, we're going to tell you that God's for you, not against you. And we're going to give you some life-giving, life-nourishing words. In fact, God would want you to know that he's in a covenant commitment with you. That, that he knows what you did, but he still is in love with you. Why? Uh, he knows what you did, but he's still in love with you? Uh, no, Christ had to bleed and die for those sins. What are you talking about? This is frightening. This is actually quite frightening what he's doing here because this is now turning into a different gospel. The biblical gospel is the good news that Christ has bled and died for our sins. That's the good news. Yeah, what was Christ doing? Reconciling us to himself. God made him to be sin, who knew no sin. You know, Christ propitiates the wrath of God by dying for our sins on the cross. God doesn't love you anyway. That's not the gospel. The good news is that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. But he says he's not going to teach that. Look on the screen. Stop studying for a second. Just let these go in your spirit. Because he would want you to know, and I'm going to say it to you, to you on his behalf, that he would say to you, because you're my child. You know, I love those words because my kids have done some things from time to time that I, that, you know, I kind of wanted to disown them. But honestly, in the, middle, in the middle of that, it's like my heart was drawn more to them. And I've told my kids, and I bet you parents in this room, you've done something similar. I said, I don't care what you do. You can never get away from the fact that I'm your daddy. And I will chase you to the end of the earth if you make bad choices. You, I will be on your heels the rest of your life telling you that God's got a better plan for your life because, because you're my child and there's nothing you can do to change that. Listen to me. God knows what you did last night and he does not kick you out of the family. God knows what you've been thinking this past week and he doesn't kick you out of the family. You are his child. Maybe he's not pleased with what you're doing, but he loves you just the same. Can I get an amen, somebody? And he, he would tell you that I, you're my child. I love you. And that doesn't mean he feels love. That means he agape love. That's, that's the Greek word. He has an unconditional. There's nothing you can do to change that. I love you. And he also would say to you, I am proud of you. My goodness, pastor, how can he be proud of me? I haven't done anything to make him proud because God doesn't see you through the lens of what you're doing. He sees you through the lens of who you're becoming. He, he, what? This is a different gospel, folks. The good news is not that God loves you. 
The good news is that Christ has bled and died for you. He doesn't see you through the lens of what you're becoming. He sees you covered in the righteousness of Christ, which is given to you as a gift by grace through faith. What Chris Hodges is saying, no joke, this is a different gospel. This is not the biblical gospel at all. And what he is saying, it proves that he's not hearing these individual voices of God, that he, these whispers that he claims are God. They're not. You can tell by the false gospel that he's preaching. Wow. He sees you on who you can be. What, what you will be, 1 John 3 says, what you will be has not yet been made known. I never. Yeah, that's referring to the day when Jesus returns in glory and we're resurrected from the grave. I never looked at my kids through the lens of what they were doing. I always looked at them through the lens of who they could be. And I just said, I know you're doing this, but that's not you. Let me tell you who you are. You're a servant of the Most High God. You're my son. You won't change the world. I, and even when they weren't. Come on, parents, where y'all at, right? Because God wants to encourage you today. I don't know who that's for, but God's trying to encourage you today. He would also whisper to you warnings. Warnings. This is a good one. Because the Bible, the Bible doesn't use this exact phrase, but it really, the principle of this phrase exists. But I'm going to give you some Christianese. This is, you'll hear Christians use this phrase. I don't even know where we originally got it, but they'll say, I got a check in my spirit. In other words, I was headed in one direction and, and, and the Holy Spirit just basically said, I Sounds like you're hearing a disturbance in the force. I wouldn't do that if I was you. You better stop right there. He'll, he'll kind of give you this, this, uh, 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 don't, don't go there. I'll show it to you in scripture. In, in Acts chapter 16, it says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Look at this, to preach. So you think, well, that couldn't be the Holy Spirit telling them not to go to that city to preach in Asia. But, it, but, but the Holy Spirit knew, hey, there's going to be people that are going to kill you. You don't want to go there. I know, you, I know you think that's a good thing. Maybe you need to hear this. I know you think it's a good thing, but there's, it's, it's not a good thing. And you don't need a pastor telling you that. The Holy Spirit will tell you. If you, if you give him room to speak in your life, he'll tell you, you know what, I, I wouldn't go. Where in Scripture does it say I have to give God room in order to speak? Since when do I have the power to basically determine when God speaks or doesn't speak? Don't you think God being God when he speaks, if he speaks, we'd hear it? I wouldn't go there, I wouldn't go there if, you, if I were you. In fact, after they had gone to another city, the, the, the Spirit did not permit them to go into that city. I mean, you want this dynamic playing out. I have it all the time. Yeah, um, you just mentioned it without reading the text. Where in Scripture does it say God's going to do that? This means that God's going to individually speak to each and every one of us just because God directly spoke to the Apostle Paul. Usually, because I'm a very reactive kind of, you know, it's my personality. You have a personality like mine. You, you know, you, can, you tend to react and kind of say right what you think. And sometimes it's just better to let those things process just a little bit. And I was at a doctor's office not too long ago. And I'm sitting there. I'm incognito. I don't have my glasses on. I've got a ball cap on. I'm sitting over in a chair. I'm getting ready to get an MRI on my, on my wrist that I broke three times when I was a kid. And it still bothers me. And anyway, so they were going to do an MRI. And there were two ladies over there talking about Church of the Highlands. And one of them was, one of them was uh, a member, and she was selling the church to her, like, oh, it's wonderful, and you ought to hear my pastor. Oh, it's so great. And I'm over there just, oh, this is so awesome. You know, sitting in the corner, just enjoying all this conversation. They're talking about God. And so I pick up my phone, and I decide to tweet it. 
So I figured out in the 140 characters to say something like, oh, I'm, I'm overhearing a conversation about how much these two ladies like Church of the Highlands. It's kind of, it made my day. Well, a pastor responded on Twitter. And, I, and, I, and, and I'm going to tell you, I usually don't read those notifications, but I pushed, I pushed on it. And this pastor said, yeah, they love the church, but do they love Jesus? Hmm, reply, okay. You want to go there, big boy? All right, let's go. You know, so I'm thinking, come on, man, come on, really? Do you have to make a comment about everything? And I'm like, and I was, I had that typed out. I was thinking about character number 70 of 140. I mean, I was, come on, man, are you really seriously? Come on, just stop being so critical. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, uh-uh, mm-mm, delete all of that. Just don't, just don't do anything, you know, and like, ah, oh, oh. So... So you, you needed the Holy Spirit to tell you that. Uh-huh. And so that means, for sure, that means that God's going to do the rest for everybody else, right? By the way, I clicked on the guy's profile. He was one of the ark churches that we planted. I know. I thought, you got my money and my training and when did that. I'm about to take you out. <laughs> So I had the ARC office call him and explain it to him just a little bit, you know. I said, don't tell him I saw it, but just tell him, you know, that ain't cool, you know, and you might want to not do it. Might not want to bite the hand that's feeding you right now, you know. So I didn't do anything, but I did block him. Come on, somebody. Where y'all at? All right. Mute. Just put the mute on them, brothers. So <laughs> I ain't seeing you anymore. I'm telling you, you have, you have, a, you have a Holy Spirit. You have a God who wants to speak to you some, some warnings. And for some of you, let me just... Yeah, we, again, notice here, all of the points he's making, he isn't actually backing it up with biblical text in context that say what he's saying. He's making his point and then going to anecdotal personal stories, Dallas Willard, verses out of context that when you actually look at them in context aren't saying the things he's saying. I mean, this is not that hard. It's not rocket surgery. If God wanted us to know that he's supposed to speak directly to each and every one of us, his word would say it clearly. Again, let me, give, let me get back to your heart for, for a couple. Maybe it's, maybe it's this phrase. I wouldn't do that if I was you. I wouldn't date him. I know, I know you really want a relationship bad, but he's, he's asking you to compromise your values. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that for some of you, some of you guys that are in a, you're in a marriage, but you're flirting in another relationship right now. And they hadn't crossed the line, but you're right up against it. Uh, yeah. God's word explicitly talks against these sins. You better, that's called the sin of adultery. You better get away from that fire. Don't do it. Yeah. Scripture clearly says that to flee sexual immorality. God, the Holy spirit has already spoken to the apostles, and recorded it for all of us in the written word of God. Don't do it. Or maybe this phrase, maybe it's time to end the secret. That what you've been carrying by yourself that you don't think anybody knows will eventually destroy your life. Now, you don't have to share it with everybody. In fact, I encourage you not to share it with everybody. But you better tell somebody. That's what I love about our small group dynamic is that we can come to a place and what the, the whole goal, by the way, is for you to get close enough to those people 
Well, you realize they pretty much have as many issues as you. We're all in the same hospital, just all working it out. But trust forms. And if, even not with the whole group, but just a couple of people in the group. I, I love the front lawn conversations that happen after the group. Man, can you come? I need to talk to you. And then you get the confidence to peel the mask off and, and you can say things like, I'm not who everybody thinks I am. Actually, when I travel and I travel a lot for my company, I mess up a lot. My wife doesn't know, my family doesn't know, and it's, I know I should change. Will you guys help me? Will you call me? I'm getting ready to travel again. Will you, will you call me and check on me and make sure that I really, and I'm going to tell you, you confess your faults one to another. James 5, 16, pray for each other. Yeah, that's right. He just quoted a biblical text that talks about confessing your sins one to another. And I don't need a direct revelation to tell me to do that because God's word says it. Each other, you'll be healed from that. The secret can end and your life can change. And not only that, but just maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, you're not going to be able to do this by yourself. Get some help. Ask somebody to help you. See, there's a dynamic that the Bible talks about all over. That when you're traveling through life, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you. It's gentle. It's a nudge. It's a prompting. This is the way. Don't go there. You better go here. This is... this is. Yeah, where is this biblical principle explained for us in detail? I'd like to see those texts, please. This is the way, not that way. And again, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to be the person who can tell you what that is but I can lead you to the relationship of God who can. Here's the third one, and that is he'll also whisper direction. Some of you guys are looking for direction in your life. You're trying to make a decision about a marriage or, or about a job or about purchasing something. God will speak to you that way. Here's the secret to this one. Involve him in the process. Hey, God, what do you think about the purchase of that? When Tammy and I are making decisions about purchasing something of any significance, we always let the emotion of the excitement of buying the thing pass. And then we always put it before the Lord and just pray, God, is this okay with you? Luke chapter 2, 27. This is a story where Jesus was dedicated in the temple as a baby. And Simeon was moved by the Spirit to go into the... The Holy Spirit said, hey, I've got an assignment for you. I need you to go over there and pray for that Christ child. Paul, in the book of Acts, was compelled by the Spirit. What is that? That's just he just felt this direction from God to go to Jerusalem to preach the gospel there. I don't know what God's saying to you specifically, and he'll get very specific with you. But he could be saying some things simply like, slow down a bit, you're doing too much. Or the opposite of that, it's time for you to pick it up. Let's go. Why not, why not now? Why, why not go ahead and why can't today be the day that you fully surrender to Jesus? Why can't today be the day? You know what? I'm going to, they keep talking about that. What does it mean to fully surrender to Jesus? That old growth track every Sunday. I think I'll go find out what's on, on the growth track. I'll just go see what that's all about. Why not? And to better yet, take your next step. I mean, we all have a journey on, in, in Christianity and you are somewhere. And wouldn't it be great if this fall season together, we grow closer to the Lord and all of us move one step. I really believe God wants us to do that. And here's the last one, and that is he whispers dreams. This is my favorite one. Uh, God whispers dreams. Uh-huh. Because God will put inside of you something that you never dreamed you could do. I'm so grateful for the dreams God's given me. 
I'm so grateful that I was coming here to the SEC baseball tournament and God put a dream to plant a church. I mean, it's, I was so scared out of my mind to do it. I, I love the fact that it was, it was about seven years ago during 21 days of prayer that God put a dream to help a thousand churches under a thousand in attendance break the barrier of a thousand. I remember when he said it and I thought, and I was so afraid. I, I asked my team, are we even capable of doing that? That'd be a million people we impacted if we could pull this off. And it didn't seem possible. And now we're literally doing it all around the world. Churches are following the example of our church to, of growth and reaching people and making a difference in this world. Listen to me. God speaks. God speaks. God speaks again and again. He speaks in dreams, even in visions of the night. And by the way, I've never had a vision of the night. <laughs> Trust me, all my, my sleep dreams, they're not from God. I'm usually Jason Bourne running from the whole world. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's craziness in my dreams. But listen to me, God does it differently with different ones of us. And next week, I'll help you understand if it really is God or not. But I know this. I don't know where we are really in the timeline of the. How absurd is that? So, you know, you're saying God's talking, but now I have to figure out, well, is that really God or not? Is that you, God? I don't know if it's you or not. I'm so confused. I don't know. Oh, man. Of the return of Christ. In my humble opinion, he could come back just about any time he wants to. In my mind, just about all the signs of the times of the scripture are being fulfilled as we speak. And in my opinion, I think we're the first generation to see it. And I'm going to bring you my next message series to you is on the last days. But not only that, in the last days, God said, I am going to pour out my spirit on all people. Well, what's that going to look like, God? Your sons are going to prophesy. Your young men are going to have visions. And your old men are going to dream dreams. I'm going to put something on the inside of you. Listen to me. So you can be a solution in the middle of all the madness. And if you really want to know your role at the end times, look, don't be a statistic. Be a solution. Jump in. Let's do something. Let's be the light in the middle of all the darkness. Don't be a statistic. Be a solution. What does that mean? I believe that's what God's called us to do. So what God might be saying to us today is, you know what? Go all in. Why not just go all in? Why be a part-time Christian? Come wherever wants to. Man, jump. Don't be a part. How is somebody a part-time Christian? Be a part of the the darkness. Be a part of the, the light in the middle of it. Here's another one. Maybe God's saying, give God your best. Maybe it's time to serve and give and participate. And you know what? I'm just not going to be halfway. And I absolutely 100% know God is saying this to everybody. And that is, you can make a difference. Um, I thought we're supposed to make disciples. You can make a difference. It's our vision here. Yeah, your vision to make a difference rather than make disciples. Totally different mission. We believe, we believe that if you'll know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, that together as a church, we don't have to just congregate on a Sunday. Collectively, we can go out there and attack hell. Uh-huh. Dark- if I learn my purpose. Darkness and the junk that's going on the earth and bring the light of Jesus to it. Somebody say amen and help me out right there. That's right. So what do we need? We need a posture. 
It's an attitude. You say, I'm not, I don't hear God. It's an attitude. So hearing God is an, an, an attitude. I've given up asking which biblical text says any of this because clearly he's not interested in finding any of these things in Scripture because they're not there. It's a posture that says, speak. Speak, Lord. Speak. I'm open to hear what you would say. Literally, if you'll just come to God and say, I I know you're there if you'll just speak to me. I love what Samuel said. Pastor Dino preached a great message on this last week. Speak, Lord. Your, your servant is listening. I think, I think literally I would like to lead you into a dynamic that before every response to a tweet, every appointment, every decision. Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience, apparently <clears throat> trying to convince them to make decisions, to... Uh, be committed to hearing God's uh, direct voice. Uh-huh. Every place you go. I mean, literally at restaurants, offices, school. Lord, I'm stepping into a dynamic here, and I'm going to be sensitive to what you... What does it mean to step into a dynamic? What you might say in the middle of it. I had a... <laughs> Several years ago, my family and I were at our favorite restaurant, P.F. Chang's. We call it Chang's, all right, is what we call it. <laughs> and I offered to pay. Now, now, there's, now there's 11 of us. There's five kids, three married, and a grandbaby, and one on the way. I mean, there's a, brother, they can eat some food. Can I tell you that right now? I've, I've discovered 11 times any restaurant is a lot of money. So that's, that's what I'm discovering now. So I don't offer to pay as much anymore. <laughs> But we were at P.F. Chang's, and they were just, I mean, plate up to the mouth. They were pouring it in. and it, it, We weren't in a hurry, and but but we didn't have, on that particular day, they're normally incredible service. I think our server, somebody else didn't show up. You could just tell she had way too many tables. And people were getting demanding. I was watching the dynamic in the room, and people were holding their glass up. And you could see she was frantic, kind of trying to get everywhere. and And she looked. She looked overwhelmed by it. And listen to me, before you think too much of me, I don't get it right like enough of the time. But on this day, I was tuned in. And, and so when she came by, I thought, you know what, I'm going to be different. So when she came by, and I'm usually the guy like, what's up? You know, but I decided, I decided, I said, look, I know you got a lot of tables today. We're not in a hurry. Don't, 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 don't feel that way about us. We're good. She just looked at me like, well, nobody really says that ever. You know, and so she came back through. I thought I'd take it another level, you know, and I said, are you okay? And she looked like, well, nobody ever asked that either. I said, well, I'm a pastor in town. If you got anything I can pray with you about, I'd be honored to pray with you. And a little tear popped out. She shoves it back in because it's the wrong place to go there, you know, and, 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 and I said, she goes, just pray for me. I said, okay, I got you. Well, I'm committed now. I'm like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, right? And so I asked the Lord, I, I, I really felt in my spirit that I was supposed to give her a, a very generous gratuity. And, uh, and I bounced it off Tammy. I want to make sure this is okay. Like, I think we're supposed to like give her like equal to the check kind of gratuity. And, uh, and again, don't think too much of me. I don't normally get it. I don't, it's, I just happened to listen that day. And, um, yet Jesus says, 
when you give, don't give so that anyone sees. Don't let your right hand see what the left hand is doing. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus said in the written word of God. Um, Tammy thinks, I, she goes, I think that's good. Chris, let's do it. And so she actually came back and said, oh, I think you made a mistake. I said, no, 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 that's for you. And she says, I don't understand. And I said, I feel like God wanted me to bless you. I just had, I felt like God spoke to me and wanted me to bless you. She goes, you have no idea. And she walked away. And I don't know if she got saved. I don't know if, I didn't invite her to the church. I don't know if she ever came. That's that's not why I did it. I wanted her to know that, that God loves her. And I was walking out. I was thinking, you know, there's 7 billion people on the planet. And God had one little princess over there who needed to be touched by him. And he just needed somebody tuned in with ears on. And he found one of his handsome, strong servants of the Most High God <laughs> who happened to be tuned in and his work got done because I was listening. I remember how it made me feel. I was thinking, who else, Lord, would you have me touch today? Right, you know? <laughs> Listen to me. Look at here. Look, 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 look. Right here, right here. Look. I want that dynamic for you. I want you to go through life, lunch, meetings, decisions. Lord, you got anything to say about this? I'm open to listen. And I'm eager to respond. Write that word down and bow your heads. Done. I think you get the point. So none of this doctrine was actually taught from biblical texts in context. Like not even close. Where did he get all this stuff? From his life experiences, from what he thinks would be logically consistent with the concept of uh, God's called us not to a religion, but a relationship, you know, things like that. But over and again, none of the points he made were actually found in Scripture. Hmm. I can point you to one place, and one place only, where I know with certainty you will hear the voice of God, and that's the written word of God. And the written written word of God, according to Jesus, is about Jesus. Story of what God has done to save us sinners who've rebelled against God. We didn't hear anything about Jesus. Or repentance, or the cross, or the forgiveness of sins. We just heard a bunch of, well, a list of things that we're supposed to believe regarding why God would want to speak to us and what he's going to do when he finally does. And none of it was found in Scripture. Hmm. When that kind of thing happens, I think the devil is at work trying to keep you from hearing the voice of God in Scripture because the devil does not want you to be listening to it. Something to think about. All right, we're at the end of another episode of Fighting for the Faith. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.